Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Hey everyone, I am Hannah, this is Kelty, we're upbringing. We are live tonight talking about why we lose our shit Mm -hmm. with our kids, with our kids. In general, in general, with one another, but especially <laughs> with our, our sensitive and strong-willed kids and what we want to do about it, mm-hmm. right? We all do it. We all yell. We all yeah. lose it. We all get in that fight, flight, freak out mode with our kids in those challenging moments of conflict or disobedience or big feelings or whatever it is. And we just want to normalize that too. We want to say it's pretty universal. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some things that we can do to work using powers beyond control to support our kids, to regulate our own bodies, to heal some of our big T or little T traumas. Right. We're here to talk about that today. Yeah. We all know that losing our shit with our kids doesn't feel that great, mm-hmm. right? Doesn't feel good to us. Doesn't feel good to our kids. Uh, we've experienced that most of us as kids. So we know mm-hmm. how it feels on the other end of those things regardless. And it also doesn't do good in, mm-hmm. in that way. We all know the research that yelling doesn't really teach what we're going for mm-hmm. right and that's why we want to make these changes not quick mm-hmm. fixes that's not what we're talking about but we're talking about healing and community we're talking about building insight we're talking about learning and practicing tools we're talking about doing all of that with other people that's mm-hmm. the magic right yeah i think i had a realization when we were talking about trigger stuff earlier hopefully this doesn't get shadow banned because we say the word so often but Just this feeling of like why we yell at our kids, this sense of resentment that we have to calm them down when we have this feeling of who's fucking calming me down. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we yell. We're trying to say, calm me down. Make this stop. What about me? Make (laughs) me feel safe right now from our kids. And I think that so much of this work that we're going to talk about tonight and by bringing on our colleague, Jen Lumenlin of Your Parenting Mojo is about doing that work ourselves, doing that inner work so that we can be doing that relational work so that we can be doing that community work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The whole sanity and social change <laughs> aspect of our mission here at Upbringing really applies tonight. Yeah. Let us know. Thank you, mindfulness. Love you too. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad our, comp- our content is relevant to you and helpful. Yeah. Type below tonight, what triggers you most in your kids' behaviors? Hannah can bring up a list of ones that we got through our story DMs. What's the hardest? What makes you just flip a switch? What pushes you beyond, right? Mm-hmm. What are the hardest things for you what are right the hardest? Now? So um, people wrote in, they said, hurting a sibling deliberately, mm-hmm. making a mess in public, ruining something I worked really hard on, like mm-hmm. a meal, laundry, Laundry's a project, a saying my name over and over again. That's a stressor for me. Mama, 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 yeah. mama, 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 mama. Uh, asking for me, uh, me for something I'm already working on getting them. 
-hmm. rude words to their little sibling, mm -hmm. destructive behavior like breaking things, throwing mm -hmm. things. Someone live says hitting. Hitting, mm -hmm. yeah, you bet. Um, ungratefulness when they're given something, given something like a spoiled attitude is oh, really triggering. That's so hard. Um, like I give you so much. I do so much for you. Mm -hmm. Wiping hands on the furniture, mm -hmm. whining and nagging when I'm already stressed, uh, when they won't get off me or let go of my clothes. I mean, this mm -hmm. keeps going. Everyone is probably just like me, yeah. me, or really me. <laughs> Meg shares hurting siblings, the general noise <clears throat> level, the mm -hmm. car. Oh my gosh. Feeling trapped in the car is one of my big triggers too. Oh man. I mean, we could keep going, but I mean, that's what everybody's saying. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's the thing about these, these responses or reactivity that we experience with our kids is that they're both um, unique to each person and they're also incredibly universal, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Someone said they don't have their own, but students being aggressively and curious is a trigger. Mm-hmm. Okay. Someone else mentioned anything when my stress cup is full. Mm -hmm. It really isn't one particular thing. It always has to do with me. It's a huge yeah. realization. Mark. We'll talk about that tonight with the window of tolerance, right? When our capacity is really low, gosh, we yell a lot more, mm -hmm. right? We react more than we respond. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Is it our kid or is it us, right? And and how we're experiencing these yeah. moments with them. I think that's hopefully what Jen's going to help clarify in a minute when we bring yeah. her on. Marcy shares, I was pushed beyond when my four-year-old ran and hid from me in the library. I had three employees and my six-year-old looking for him and he was found silently hiding behind a bookshelf. Oh my goodness. Ooh, running away and oh, hiding. That's... Running away or and doing mm. that, those types of things in public is also mm -hmm. really, really stressful. Someone shares shouting yeah. demands, get me a snack or pulling my hair. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, I always think of when my kids, um, don't listen when I'm trying to get their attention, when I'm needing something from them and they're mm -hmm. tuning me out, makes me feel so helpless. That's one thing that I'm just continually working on. Mm -hmm. Uh, that would probably be one of my big ones. And then also just loud noises in the car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one thing that really pushes me over the edge is kind of zany energy yelling, mm -hmm. like someone's probably going to get hurt and it's really loud and it's, it's funny, but it's not funny. Like I can handle screaming, angry words, yelling, all of those things. I think because I'm clicked into there's something to do about it mode. Mm -hmm. But when there's just this burbling of like kind of zany energy, it makes me want to scream and tell everyone to shut up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jen is here and she's going to talk to us tonight. Uh, gosh, she's just one of our favorite people. I feel like mm -hmm. we could talk too long on this <laughs> introduction and hopefully we'll have her introduce herself a little bit, but we've worked with her on our baby course right from the start. Mm -hmm. We have joined up with her in promoting this Team Your Triggers workshop that we'll mention briefly tonight. Mm -hmm. um, and we just rely on her so much because I think folks in our community and us included really cognitively understand the whole upbringing approach, the gentle parenting, the research informed stuff. They're like, I get it. My mind gets it. Yes. Must use powers beyond control when I'm able. Got, Got it. it. Okay. But then in the moment, their body says something else and they say, mm -hmm. I can't always what's mm -hmm. going on. Right. I know mm -hmm. it up here, but in here I'm still struggling. Mm -hmm. And so I think Jen is that person for us that like we are a, able, a missing puzzle piece or something Yeah, that we can offer our community that mm -hmm. bridge to say, this is how that work can get done sooner, more easily, more mm -hmm. joyfully mm -hmm. is working on those triggers first. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to bring Jen on here. Welcome everybody who's coming in here. Let us know, what are your triggers? What really bugs you? What do you struggle with, um, with your kids? Let's accept on here. What are those hard moments for you? Nice seeing so many familiar faces or names rather mm -hmm. popping in. What questions do you have about triggers and working on them? Mm -hmm. 
invite to join. I'm going to invite her, see if that works. I was triggered earlier, and this is something that I have been working on not doing as often as possible, <laughs> which is listening to a podcast or a book or something in my earbud when I'm around my kids because I literally cannot handle it. It pushes me over the edge because they are needing their things. They, you know, are asking for what they're, um, they're needing my support with. Mm -hmm. uh, they're being their, you know, what I would consider noisy selves moving through the world. And that just doesn't jive with me trying to focus on something else. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's a, a big thing that I've had to grapple with and often felt like kind of jealous of you, Hannah, because mm. I feel like you're like, oh, I just listened to that podcast while the kids were doing their thing and I was doing the dishes. And I'm just like, I literally can't have my brain to myself when I'm around my kids or that's how it feels often. Mm -hmm. And so when I try to stretch past that, I often snap mm -hmm. because I get overloaded. Um, like my, my nervous system gets overloaded so fast, really quickly. Um, we're still trying to bring Jen on here, but I think mm -hmm. you bring up a good point, Kelsey, that I mean, we all have our, our upbringing, we have our culture that puts mm -hmm. a lot of pressure and burden and trauma on us to respond in certain ways with our mm -hmm. kids. But then when our kids happen to be even more sensitive or even more strong-willed, mm -hmm. gosh, that really puts us um, on the front lines, mm -hmm. right? To have to um, be under more pressure to keep it together and work yeah. those powers beyond control in our own self-reg game more mm -hmm. often. It's yeah. a lot. What is the self-reg game? It's really like the oxygen mask, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's like, put your oxygen mask on first. So it says your parenting mojo is unable to join. That's what happened last time we connected with her too, I think. We'll, we'll, we'll get it. Mm -hmm. It'll come through. Someone says the uncontrollable mm -hmm. silliness and giggles at bedtime, screaming at me when I'm talking on the phone. Oh yeah, hugely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, trying to do something like listening to a podcast or being mm -hmm. on the phone and yeah. having them talking at you. Yeah, dear said that too. Too much stimulation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This morning I was driving and I had a little bit of a sinus headache and I was tired. I was up later last night and my kids were just being very loud in the back, just entertaining themselves. It was great. What I would normally mm -hmm. say is successful, but it was too close to my ears. So it felt uh, really unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. And I started getting ramped up and I just, I snapped and I said, stop yelling. Mm -hmm. And my daughter said, well, you can't tell us to stop yelling by yelling. Like that's kind of a little bit counterproductive or <laughs> right? I can't really respect that request when you do it by doing that exact same thing to me. And yeah. I said, I know I'm so sorry. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that, that she just points out that idea of saying, gosh, we can't teach our kids what we're unable to practice in mm -hmm. our parenting. Right. It's so tricky. So Jen said, she's trying to join. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to accept and trying to invite. Jen, maybe pop off the live and then pop back on. That uh, might work. Give it, give it a restart there. Just see mm -hmm. if that might help. Mm -hmm. Everyone uh, who's just popping in right now, <clears throat> we're talking about ways to tame our triggers, ways to calm ourselves so that we can then calm our kids. Because like we talk about often in upbringing, our work in those conflict-filled, big feelings, swampy moments um, is to help support our kids, help de-escalate, right? Help put their brains in a kind of receptive instead of reactive mode so they can learn, so they can stay in relationship with us, so they can build awareness around their needs, so they can figure out strategic, successful ways to get those needs met, especially ways that don't hurt people or embarrass us or any of those things in those more kind of like centering moments. Mm -hmm. um, so that's our goal. Mm -hmm. It yeah. just is that question a lot of us ask, but how? 
and how can I be that sensitive support staff for my kids when I feel so dysregulated? Yeah, and why? Why can't I? Not just What's, how, but why? What's I think, stopping me? I think holding me back. a huge piece of the puzzle as well that Jen will hopefully be able to jump on here to talk with us about is not just how to go about fixing our self-regulation um, mm -hmm. challenges, but I think a huge part as to how to actually fix those things and make different changes and respond differently to those mm -hmm. challenges is understanding why we're responding that mm -hmm. way, is really getting to the root cause of those things. Not necessarily in talk therapy, but in, in experiencing in things in practice in community that mm -hmm. don't just change um, the way we think about things, but how our body has experienced those things. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that. Oh, Jen. Hmm. Marcy said, I love it when my kids correct me with ways that I've helped uh, them when they're dysregulated. Ha, shows that they're learning and we need it too. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's something you mentioned once to me, Hannah, was that when you were starting to get a little, little snippy with your kids, up. a little bit, your daughter suggested, mom, why don't you just take a deep breath and figure this out? Do you need some fresh air or something, right? It's a modeling we're trying to do. Thank goodness when our kids can kind of turn that finger around on us, mm -hmm. not in an accusatory way, but maybe in a kind of like, hey, what's supportive way? You? What's happening? Mm -hmm. Anyone else here want to type into the chat? What really triggers you? What makes you just snap with your mm -hmm. kids? What's the hardest? Yeah. What's happening? Mm -hmm. Anybody here uh, taken the <clears throat> Taming Your Triggers workshop that we took this past year with Jen and with you all. So I think cool. this might be the third time we're <clears throat> going to take it. I yeah. feel like I learned something new every time. Um, mm. Oh, she's she? joined again. Okay. So let's see what happens here. Okay. I, I want to ask her to join first. Okay. Yeah. Jen, let's ask you to join. Let's see if that goes. Mm -hmm. Ooh, nice. Let's do that. Right too. Hmm. Thanks for hanging in, everyone. Oop, we got her. Hey. Hi. Hi. I don't know what was going on with my Instagram account. I had to log in with another account that I, I never use. <laughs> good backup account. Well done. Yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. How's it going? Oh, a, little, a little stressful in that moment. <laughs> I said like four requests to join, but uh, yeah, they're weird, weird technology stuff, but I'm really glad that we got to be here. We're so grateful that you're here with us. We were just sharing with the community and listening to people's biggest kind of triggering moments and what kind of uh, leads them to snap or go into that yep. kind of stress freak out uh, moment. And yeah, I heard the long list. Yeah, the long <laughs> list. I think we each have a pretty long list. Well, yeah. could, could you introduce yourself briefly, Jen, um, for those who are new to you and your parenting mojo? Sure. Yeah. Um, my name is Jen and I host the Your Parenting Mojo podcast and I take scientific research on parenting and child development and translate it into uh, language and tools that parents can use and understand to make decisions about raising their children. And uh, that was sort of how I started out. And as I've progressed and grown in my thinking and my ideas, I have increasingly gone beyond the research, realizing that, uh, I mean, the research is very much baked in the same white supremacy 
this patriarchal capitalist culture that rolls women in. And so if we want more of that, then that's generally what the research is helping us to do. Um, and if we want maybe different from that, then we might want to head off in, in another direction. So very much using the research, but also thinking critically about it. Mm. And then how did you become such a specialist on taming your triggers? I, I would assume at this point you have no triggers whatsoever in that. <laughs> uh, that's not exactly true. Um, I will say there's not much my child can do to trigger me at this point. Uh, my husband is still, he's still a pro. <laughs> um, but we're working on that too. So yeah, no, I, it, it actually started out um, as a module in a membership that I started way back in two, two, 2018. And uh, a, a, it started from a question from a parent who said, when is my child going to grow out of these behaviors that trigger me so much? And so I started looking into the research on where does this come from? And when is this parent's kid going to grow out of this thing? And I realized there's this whole ball of wax <laughs> related to, you know, where do these things come from? And uh, why are we so triggered by our child's behavior and realizing it's not about your kid's behavior <laughs> and that so much of it comes from things that have happened to us at some point in our lives instead um, and supporting people through that in various iterations of what is now, you know, a workshop that, that thousands of parents have been through and have, have used to navigate their triggered feelings a lot more successfully, feel triggered less often as well. Oh, thank you so much for that. I think in hearing it's not actually our kid's fault for triggering us makes me be like, oh my gosh, then that means it's my fault for doing this. And I love that you follow that up so swiftly with saying, it's because of things that have happened to us. Right? Yeah. I love that you bring that up. Give us that grace and that sense of, we've, we're all victims here in this. Yeah, and and I think that um, we we can look at you know the, the the kinds of different things that have affected us, and psychologists will look at sort of big T trauma, the really hard stuff that we think of as yeah, that's that was definitely traumatic. Um, there's also what psychologists call little T trauma, which is you know things like divorce and um, a death in the family or uh, moving house repeatedly, things that we can kind of cope with if we have a supportive adult to help us, but if we don't have that supportive adult or if there are a lot of these things and they kind of compound on each other those can really end up affecting us too um but i often i often work with parents who are like but my parents are you know they're fine they they were great parents and i'm still feeling triggered by my child's behavior so like how do i have a right to feel triggered by my child's behavior um if my parents were basically good parents and uh what i've realized is that there's this sort of missing uh view in the research of uh, what I call the, the trauma of unmet needs and this idea that because our parents were all trying to do the absolute best they could to raise us to be successful in a white supremacist patriarchal capitalist world, they were shaping us, right? They were, they were making sure that we hid the parts of ourselves that wouldn't be affected, that, that wouldn't be accepted by that world uh, so that we could go out into it and be successful. And in hiding those parts of ourselves that were so important to us, we were hurt even though our parents never had that intention to hurt us. And so um, I think it's, it's ju just by virtue of growing up in our culture, we come out with these hurts. And then when our child does something, um, and just looking back to some of the list that you were reciting, you know, um, doing, doing embarrassing things in a public place, well, we feel judged. I mean, who, who among us likes feeling judged? Because we, we look back at...
at all the times that we felt judged and and just kind of shrink back into that scared little person who who hates being judged um our, our kids uh tuning me out i think one of you said and when my, my kid tunes me out I, I just can't take it well it reminds us of when our parents just just didn't listen they didn't hear us because we all have this innate need to be heard to be seen to be understood and when our kid ignores us it takes us back to that hurt little kid who was not seen heard understood by their parent and and no wonder it makes the sparks fly mm -hmm. someone mentioned here uh that truly nothing feels worse than the reaction to a trigger and i think that that you're basically saying that i mean triggers aren't just really hard to experience because of what we know the impact is on our kids or that it looks bad or whatever it is. But are you kind of saying that when we're triggered and we respond really strongly to something our kid is, is doing, we're reliving some sense of, of trauma, big or little T, that uh, ourselves in that moment, it's almost like a double harm in the present and in the past compounded in that moment. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that, and this is especially difficult for those of us who have chosen to walk this respectful, gentle parenting path, because there's such a difference between our values, the things that we know to be true, the things up here, we've read the books, we've listened to the podcast, we know what we want to do with our child. And yet in these difficult moments, that that hurt gets poked and it's like we we can't react in a different way <laughs> unless we learn some new tools we're going to react in the same way that we've reacted before or in a way that says ouch that that hurts like i don't know what to do with with that right now and that's why we have these big reactions to our children's behavior mm -hmm. well what's the difference between a trigger and like you know massive overwhelm or flooding how how important is it to kind of distinguish between these types of things and really get down to kind of the root cause or the why behind our responses before we start thinking about what to actually do about them? Yeah. Um, from a clinical perspective, it's pretty important. From a practical perspective, it's perhaps less important. Uh, the, the phrase or the term uh, being triggered results from uh, the, the literature on PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. So um, when a person is being triggered, that specifically means that the situation that they're in right now is reminding them of a recognized trauma that has happened in their past. Um, a person can be flooded, what we call flooded, and experience much the same effect, right? The same uh, overwhelm the same huge reaction or you know if, if, if you're going into fight or maybe there's flight and you're running away or you're freezing or you're fawning over the person doing anything you can to get them to stop um, so we can go into these reactions and if there was not trauma involved then we call that being flooded but for practical purposes when we're actually mm -hmm. in it it doesn't make so much of a difference um, in terms of how important it is to understand the origins that really depends on the person um, and depends on what has happened as well so it's it's possible that the people involved have died and we may never get an answer. Like there might just not be a way of finding out. Uh, we might not be in a place where we can have that conversation with them. If we can, it often helps. Um, and, and in the course, we actually walk through uh, how to have that conversation with your parent, how to write them a letter, whether or not it en ever ends up being sent. And, uh, and some people do find that just that cognitive understanding of this is not me. It's, this is not that I'm an angry parent this is related to things I've experienced creates that shift for them and suddenly they're able to show up differently in their relationship with their child for many other people um, they they never fully understand what happened or they need to process that in community with others 
to be able to make the shift that just the knowledge alone is not enough um that it's it's uh processing it with others who are processing it themselves and who are almost articulating what you're thinking and feeling without you even realizing it and you're like oh yeah it's like that for me too and i didn't even know and then you kickstart something that's going on for them and it's this beautiful community process that is so much richer than just reading information by ourselves i love that can you explain that topic of of how knowledge is not enough. And I think in our culture, we think if I just read it and I hear about it and I believe it, that should be enough. And I feel like such a failure not being able to put this into practice more. Why is that? Why am I still yelling if I know that I don't wanna yell? Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what we learn in school, right? Is you just gotta read the books, <laughs> you just gotta study, you gotta remember the stuff, and then you gotta trot it out at the right moment and then you'll do well. And so if you have the knowledge um, and you haven't been able to change, then willpower is the, is the thing that mediates those two, right? Willpower gets you from knowledge to being able to make the change. So if you haven't made the change, then clearly you're lacking on the willpower front. And if you just apply more willpower, then you will succeed in this and oh. you will be able to make this change. That is amazing. Um, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and we don't, our brains don't work like that. And, and this, this trauma happened in community with others, right? It's, we, it didn't happen to our Ourselves. It happened in relationship with others. And so it makes sense that it is healed in relationship with others too. And, and what we see is, I mean, the, these really profound, what I call non-cognitive shifts, which is, you know, if we think about a cognitive uh, shift being, I'm taking on new knowledge in my head and I believe it to be true and I'm going to show up differently. And, and for some folks, they are able to do that. Um, for other folks, you, you've got to take it on in your body, right? There's, there's no way around taking it on in your body. Well, how do you do that? There's no recipe. You can't read your way into it. Um, it's really when when you're with others, and I'm thinking about a parent who who had an alcoholic parent who had had this difficult childhood that her own mother didn't even remember because she was drunk for most of it, um, had always known, I need to forgive my mom. But it was up here. It was in her head. She's, she's like, I can't just say the words. Um, and then when she came into the workshop and she's seeing hundreds of other parents introduce themselves and saying, I'm doing the best I can and I'm yelling at my kid on a regular basis, all of a sudden she sees her own parent through those lenses, right, as, as a struggling 20-something with a whole bunch of unresolved trauma. And she 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 has this non-cognitive shift about her mom's own experience. And she told me, my whole life of working on this, nothing has ever uh, shifted for me in the way that now I feel forgiveness. I'm not convincing myself or telling myself I need to forgive her. I feel forgiveness. And she had this amazing conversation with her mom. And all of that weight that was dragging down her relationship with her kid and that she's, you know, overreacting to her kid's behavior all the time is just gone. And, and she's not as overreactive as she used to be. And that happens through, I mean, through being with others. It doesn't happen by reading something yourself. Mm -hmm. goosebumps mm -hmm. on that story <laughs> that, that idea that that community the power of community and doing that work in in relationship to others can lead to compassion can lead to freedom in that way i think so many of us when we lose our shit with our kids and really struggle and feel so much shame about it i feel like it's like it, it just feels like it's impossible to get through and i think we hold ourselves to such high standards mm -hmm. and it, like you said earlier we're either trained to think that it's us or them it's either or, right? And yeah. not to think that there are some systemic situations that are putting pressure on us, not just our own childhood, 
but also these cultural expectations that are placed on us about the parent that we should be and the kid that we should have and how they should be behaving all of the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there are a lot of unmet needs going on in how we're supposed to be parenting for ourselves and for our kids. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and so we, we get caught up, right? Because our parents were living in that system as well and were, uh, were doing the best that they could with the tools that they had. And now if we don't do something differently, we're probably going to repeat that, that, that same interactions that our parents had with us because, because that's what we've learned from them. That's what we was modeled for us. We don't have a different way of being in relationships with others modeled. So it's hard work because we're essentially trying to reparent ourselves while still living in the society that, that reinforces all of the old crappy ways of doing things and, and, and completely shifting how we're in relationship with our children. And, and it radiates out into other relationships as well with our partners and, um, and, you know, other family members and colleagues and, and all the rest of it as well so mm, yeah I, i'm just seeing some yes. somebody uh posted about uh, <laughs> i didn't even want to do the buddy community aspect of the course this is someone who's done the course and it ended up being so incredible meaningful and rich yeah i mean i, I i'm an introvert i attract introverts right so <laughs> half the people who join are introverts and they're like oh no I, I there's no way i'm telling everything that's going on with me to to anybody else but it ends up being so freeing because you're never going to run into this person in the grocery store, right? You're going to get paired up with someone on the other side of the country or the other mm -hmm. side of the world who happens to be available when you're available. Mm -hmm. And you, you develop this relationship that's just grounded in utter honesty. You can be totally real with that other person and not feel judged because they're doing the same with you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you just find a space in that relationship to really be yourself. And I think that can then provide a model for how you can be in other relationships as well. Mm -hmm safety right security that's yeah. how growth happens is when our bodies feel safe um that person also mentioned that uh last time it was offered she took the course and her accountability buddy uh and her actually going through the material together a second time so that's oh, awesome. pretty amazing not only did it end up turning out well but they're actually still in in relationship together and reviewing all of the course stuff yeah yeah we hear that all the time uh, of, of people making plans. There was, there was one pair, uh, one person in Washington and the other in Kenya and they're making plans to get together. <laughs> so That's people form cool. lifelong friendships out of this. I love that. Well, we promised our listeners some tips um, for kind of engaging a different way in the moment to slow it down a little Getting bit. Getting started. Yeah, because um, somebody mentioned to us in a coaching session recently, I wish I could just press pause. Like literally had a remote where I could press the pause button and see yeah. my kids hurling at me and the, and the spit flying and the, the food flailing and all the things happen and just t get a second to compose myself because that mm -hmm. never happens and I'm so swept up in it. How can I mm -hmm. create that pause if it doesn't exist in this like metaphorical yeah. remote? Yeah, I love that question. I love that you're already thinking about it in terms of the pause, right? Because that's the same way that I think about it. And I think one important way that you can find that pause is to not wait until you're in it, right? Until your kid is exploding to find that pause. Um, so how do you know when it's coming? Well, you're, you know, your body knows. Your body knows this is coming. So when your child, uh, you're sitting down to breakfast, you've just sat, sat down, your child's already been sitting down. They're like, mom, I want the green spoon. And you pause just for a second. 
how, how, am I, how am I with that? How do I feel right now? Do I want to get up and get the green spoon or am I going to set a boundary and say, I'm not getting up again until I'm done with breakfast? Um, do, can I, with a genuinely full heart, go and get this green spoon? Or can I offer that you can go and get the green spoon if you'd like the green spoon? Um, and, and choosing, making a conscious decision in that moment, am I going to meet my needs here? Or is it really okay with me to go and, and meet their need and get the green spoon? And when we're making decisions like this, as we go throughout our day, what we tend to find is that we're meeting our needs during more of the day. And then when we, you know, so often these things happen late in the day when we're depleted and we haven't had our needs met throughout the whole day. But when we, when we're better able to meet our needs through the day and then we see what's coming, right? We, we can hear when our, when our kids are, are ramping up, right? We hear their voices change in tone and in pitch and, and the things that they're saying to each other. We know these things are coming. That's the moment when we can create the pause. And we can, uh, before we go, even go over to them, take five seconds to take a deep breath and just set an intention. How do I want to show up in, in this interaction that we're about to have? What's the energy that I'm going to bring to this? Maybe have a phrase that we repeat to ourselves, like our relationship is the most important thing. And then we go in there with that energy. And that's almost like the virtual pause button, right? And we don't have to fix anything in that situation immediately. All we need to do is kind of come in and say, oh my goodness, it looks like we're having a really hard time right now, right? There's no aggressor. There's no victim. There's no blaming. There's just non-judgment coming in making sure everybody's safe if they need to be separated and safe and just we are having a hard time <laughs> and then from there making sure everybody's regulated we're regulated our children are becoming more regulated and then from there we go about okay what's going on here what are we trying to do what needs are we trying to meet in this interaction and how can we meet both people's needs that's how we create the pause I mean, that is so ideal and so beautiful, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm wondering how can we kind of evict this sense of like accountability police that our brains mm -hmm. click into so fast when we're feeling dysregulated, even like as we're trying to take that pause or as we're entering into a situation, maybe feeling a little bit like, la la la, this isn't happening, or I'm sure this is going to go better than, than it did last time. How do we kind of work with those automatic negative thoughts that, that kind of, override us and hijack us. Yeah. Um, I think that one tool that I find really useful when we're thinking about negative thoughts is we sort of assume that uh, what we think is reality. And I think it's really helpful to create some distance between us and our thoughts, which can sound very strange to an audience who isn't used to hearing about this, right? Um, the idea that we don't actually have to believe everything we think. Um, I'm doing a lot of work on self-compassion at the moment. I'm going to be interviewing Carla Nomberg, who has a new book out, You Are Not a Shitty Parent. And um, so I've been talking with my folks in my community about uh, what they think about self-compassion, their relationship to it. And one parent in my community is saying, but but you don't know me. I actually am a shitty parent. <laughs> and so uh, she, what she started to do is to say, I am thinking I'm a shitty parent. And what that does is it creates the possibility that there are other explanations for what is happening here. One explanation is she's a shitty parent. Another explanation is this is a difficult situation and any parent here will be overwhelmed. 
<laughs> and when we can create that little bit of distance and maybe even a little bit of humor, maybe kind of name our thoughts, kind of, you know, if there's a, if there's a voice that recurs over and over again in our mind and it reminds us of a cartoon character or something, maybe we even name it that cartoon character and we can just kind of say, oh yeah, I see you there. I see you, you know, putting these thoughts into my brain. Um, that, that's one possibility. Another possibility is this. And when there's more than one possibility for something happening, then it's like, well, it clearly it can't just be this because it could also be this. It could be I'm a shitty parent. It could also be there's this other explanation going on. So that that's that tool of kind of di creating some distance between you and your thoughts and, and not necessarily believing everything you think is really powerful. I like th that idea of not just changing how creating pause in our thoughts and our actions in the moment with our kids. But I would imagine that we can be doing those same things. Uh, and you probably teach to this in the workshop outside the moment as well because it, yeah. this process is of changing and growing and and healing it doesn't happen overnight that's not how it works just like our kids growing we're growing up right alongside them it's it's not a one and done type thing so tell us about how that applies to outside those challenging moments let's say we've lost our shit let's say those negative thoughts came in so fast that we couldn't even be like whoa 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 wait up there for a minute yeah. And, and so we, we mess up, right? We're human. It's, it's part of being human is that we mess up. We, we can learn new information. We can set the best intentions. We can go into a difficult situation, even having taken a pause and it still blows up in our faces and we still end up overreacting. And, and the, the critical, th critical thing is, well, what do we do then? Right? How do we move out of this situation? And I think there are two things that we can do. Firstly, if we're beating ourselves up, and we're saying, well, you know, clearly I'm never going to figure this out. And clearly, really, I am a shitty parent. Now we have proof that I'm a shitty parent. Um, or uh, this is just how I am. I'm an angry parent. There's no way I can ever change. Um, I'm just going to beat myself up. Or, or maybe I'll just try harder next time. And then it happens again. I'm just going to try harder next time. Right. And, and, and sort of self-flagellating each time. Um, that's sort of the, the anti-self-compassion. And we know that that doesn't work. That doesn't help people change uh, how they show up in these situations. What does help is self-compassion and, and treating ourselves basically in the way that we would treat a friend, right? Or, or that you would treat each other. If one of you is having a hard day, does the other one come in and say, well, you'll just try harder next time and you'll figure it out. <laughs> or, you know, just, just make it happen for goodness sake. No, you, you come to each other and you say, you probably hold each other and, you know, that sounds really hard. And, and offer each other compassion. So we sort of know a little bit how to do this for other people. And yet we can't do that for ourselves. We can't hold ourselves in that same tender, curious, careful way that we would hold someone that we love. Um, so that's sort of a, a skill to practice. And then the other part of it is repairing with our child and saying, um, you know, I, I messed up. I'm sorry. I, I yelled at you and you probably felt really scared. Right. And you can even sort of have this little joint storytelling where you recount what it was that happened. And maybe if they're on the younger, less verbal side, you can fill in a bit more of it. And if they're more verbal, you can have them tell more of the story. And, and you're in doing that, it helps them to process and integrate what happened so that it's not this big, scary thing that we don't talk about 
that I can never bring it up. And, you know, my parent will be angry if I bring it up, but it's, yeah, this thing happened between us and it was hard. And we came back afterwards. And, and now I know that when, when I mess up, I, I, I cause I'm going to mess up cause I'm human too. Cause my parent messes up cause they're human. I can apologize. I can, I can work to, to remedy the situation. I can say what I'm going to do to, differently next time and, and try and do that. So I think it models an enormous amount of, uh, sort of compassion for our children as well and and shows them that they don't have to be perfect in this relationship either which releases a whole bunch of pressure from them too Mm -hmm. just the idea of saying taming our triggers isn't about showing up perfectly in every moment with our kids Mm -hmm. from the onset right this is a 10 a 10 week workshop that you're offering and that we're joining and doing alongside you and all of the folks who are going to join as well but like this is about the process and the practice and just the idea of saying, I don't have to show up well in any moment, very well be for a while. But if I can be examining my thoughts, if I can be preparing my body and noticing and doing check-ins, and then after, if I can find ways to heal myself with self-compassion and to heal my child and our relationship about what happened, God, that's an incredible amount of work. And it's, it's like it's working on both sides toward the center of a challenging moment, little by little, by little, by little, by little. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. And I mean, I will say we have a money back guarantee on the course. And if, if anyone taking the course gets to the end and they have not made any progress on this, then we will gladly give you your money back. But it, I mean, it's just not going to happen, right? If, if you are reading the content and you're in the community and you're engaging with an account buddy, um, maybe even getting on coaching calls as well. And, uh, you're, you're, you're sort of steeped in this for this period of time and really focusing on creating that pause. Oh, it didn't happen this time. Okay. Self-compassion. <sighs> okay. What am I going to do differently? Why didn't it work this time? What can, what practice can I put in place next time that I can remind myself? You know, a lot of parents like to keep a hair tie on one wrist when they're new to this. And then when uh, they're in that moment and they see things ramping up, they take the hair tie and they transfer it to the other wrist. And just that action creates like a two second pause in it just in itself. And in two seconds, you can breathe, you can take a breath. <laughs> and from there, you can remind yourself of what's important. Um, so just just through going through this failing, going through it again, failing in a different way, going through it again. Okay, all right, now I see why I'm getting hung up on this. Here's what I'm going to do differently in the morning next time to make sure that I'm resourced later in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at this from a holistic perspective of not just how do I fix this this difficult interaction, but what in my life is, is where in my life are my needs not getting met right now? So, and, and working to address that. Awesome. I'm just seeing a question coming in from, from Two Fish Moon. Is this 10-week program good for parents with teenagers? Um, we do have parents with a fairly wide variety of ages in. The core group that we tend to see is parents uh, of kids who have, parents with kids who are aged between about two and 10. Um, but we every time we have parents who have older kids, we have the odd grandparent or two or somebody who's like, I just want to figure out my relationship with my mom. Um, the tools are applicable to anybody in any relationship and no matter who who is triggering you. So, mm-hmm. um, so I would say, yep, come on in and, uh, and you'll find somebody in the community who's working on similar stuff. You are. And something else I remember noticing this last time when we were in the community was how many partners there were as well, mm-hmm. which I think that that's uh, something that comes up in our community a lot where they're like, I want to get on the same page. I'm trying to do all this stuff. I'm already struggling myself to hold my shit together. And then I have a, a, a beloved partner or a co-caregiver 
who is like undoing. It feels like they're undoing what's, what all the work that we're doing and it's feeling really tricky. And I think that this is one of those beautiful things that we like to offer those folks in our community to say, this is something that your partner can do with you, can do on their own, can do is for the whole family to enjoy and to kind of process in their own way, you know, without yeah. that shame or without that, you know, if it, you know, tell us a little bit more though. Is it a class? Is it homework? What's, like, what's I think, the investment like? I think a lot of people yeah. are strapped for time. Um, even if they're not strapped for a little bit of money on that sliding scale you offer, but how much is this going to take time-wise? Is this going to dominate their free time? Is it kind of learn as you go? What's it like? Yeah, I would say actually one of the nice things about this is uh, it's one of the least time intensive uh, investments compared to the benefit that you get. <laughs> so uh, once a week for the 10 weeks, you get an email from me that's pretty short. This is not super long. Um, and then uh, there's usually a video or something else to watch. That's five, 10 minutes of the absolute outside is the longest one, but most of them are around five minutes. Um, there's some homework to do, maybe some journaling, something to think about something to write, um, a practice to try, something to read. Um, and then uh, there's some discussion questions to, uh, so that if you're, especially if you're new in your relationship with your accountant buddy, that you're not kind of showing up and being like, okay, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> that there is something there to provide some structure for you if you decide that you want it. It's entirely optional. Um, so, so all of that is not super time consuming. It's like 20, 20 minutes or so, 30 at the outside. And then the community aspect is sort of as much as you want to put in, right? There are some folks and every every time I open this, there are some folks who lurk and who never say anything. And there are other folks who are super verbal processors and most people fall somewhere in between. And those verbal processors really sort of crack a lot of things open for everybody else because they're the ones who sort of everybody else is watching. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's for me, too. And I never even realized. So um, so that it happens in, in every workshop. And so really, you know, if you wanted to drop in for 10 minutes every few days, that's fine. If you want to be in more or less than that that's fine too and then your accountability buddy is your your one-on-one -on -one person that we pair you up with and you you can kind of be involved in the pairing so it's not like it's a random match um and that's again as as often or as little as you want you can do a zoom call if you want to you could do entirely asynchronous so you never talk face to face a lot of people use marco polo which i haven't used but i think it's basically like te texting with video um and so they they find that that gives them uh the, that one of one couple I talked talk to actually said it's almost like it it creates the pause itself between mm -hmm. the the communication. So it's almost like a metaphor for the wider course. Um, and then just to address your point about couples, yes, I'm so glad to start to see more couples coming in, particularly more male identifying parents, because this is not just women's work. Um, men get triggered too. And uh, the more that they can see that and realize this is hampering their ability to show up as whole people in their families, it's hampering their relationship with their children, the more whole our families are going to be. Um, and so the only thing that we ask is that if you are two parents that you sign up individually, if you need to take a lower sliding scale price to do that, that's totally fine. But that administratively, that allows us to get you different account buddies, a different login to the community and all that stuff. So that makes sense. I'm always like, at this point, I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> Honestly, You're in. Like, just the fact that someone who t wrote in said that they're going through all of the course material again with their accountant buddy. I mean, so I, I always forget this material is available to people in forever. Like, I mean, yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. No, once, once you have the content, you have the content. And, uh, I actually, <laughs> there are people who go through the, the workshop with all of the accountability and everything multiple times. Um, and when I first heard that people were doing that, I was so ashamed because I thought if I was any good at teaching this stuff, wouldn't they have gotten what they needed the first time and be on their way and not feel triggered anymore? And then, of course, ma you know, major lesson in life. It's not about you, Jen. That <laughs> um, they would go through it one time and they would get stuck. They weren't able to go any deeper because it was scary. It was hard. And so they would kind of put it off and say, oh, I'll come back to it next week. And, and then they would say, ah, now, now I can't come back to it because we're beyond that. And it just kind of falls away. And then they come back around again and they get further. They go deeper. We're with a different group of people. They have different insights. I mean, some people have done this thing like four times. <laughs> and each time they get something more out of it that they didn't get before. That's not to say you have to do it four times. There are plenty of people who only do it once. But if you want to keep going deeper and understanding more about this stuff then the opportunity is there as well and yeah if you want to just go into the course content again it's always there you always have access to it i love that because i mean there are going to be different things that come up based on what our kids are doing developmentally relationally situationally yeah. what our, our current life stressors are exactly and it's it's so nice to know that you have that to apply and say oh that's right here are these these kind of essentials, here's this foundation again that I can apply the same way. It just, mm -hmm. it takes a little while to kind of re, re, reapply those same things each time. So I really appreciate that about it as well. Yeah. Thanks so much for yeah, I actually talked about this. What were you saying? I, I talked with a therapist actually, um, who, who teaches <laughs> stuff to her patients. Um, her, a little snippet of our conversations actually up on the website that I know you're going to link to. She's, she's almost at the top of the page. And, uh, she was saying, you know, I, I know the tools and I was just trying to do better each time, but what she, she wasn't actually able to implement the ideas that she, she even knew everything herself, right? She knew all the content herself. She said, what I needed was the structure. I needed it broken down mm -hmm. uh, week by week. This is what you do this week. This is what your homework is. Read this thing, do this thing. And she said, uh, you know, she said, in my professional opinion, what you've given us is everything you need and nothing you don't. So it's super tight, super concise. Um, and, and she is, was able to make a really big shift in her relationship with her daughter. Mm, I love that. I mean, I, I think you identify that idea that it's holding your hand through this process of, of knowing, of healing, of, of doing that work. And it can't be done just reading a book. It can't be no. done again, back to, it can't just be done with the mind cognitively. It has to be done experientially because that's what our bodies are attached to. And that's where the trauma is. And that's where the triggers lie, you know, waiting to be healed and, and liberated, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for doing this work. We're so grateful for you, Jen. And I mean, just the fact that you offer this to the whole world, let alone uh, our beloved community is just is really meaningful. And yeah. we've learned so much from taking the course, um, the workshop. What is it? Three times now. Again, we've mentioned yeah. it earlier that it really is the missing, the missing piece that our upbringing community needs because we're mm -hmm. we're in the in the work in our new collective membership. Mm -hmm. We're doing uh, our one on one coaching kind of for those in the moment stressors with with our kids. But so many people are like, but I can't get to that because I'm still too flooded. I can't get to that because yeah. I don't know what my needs are. I can't get to that because I don't know my boundaries. I haven't explored anything about my childhood. I I don't know how to minimize my stress. You know, I, I can't click out of that mode of 
constantly blaming my child or living in my own personal reality goggles. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. that this, this workshop is so critical yeah. for all, the, all of our community who are trying to do that work um, intent, so intentionally and just need a little support, mm -hmm. right? We're not mm -hmm. intended to do this alone. Mm -hmm. No, we are not. Um, and it's unfortunate we're in a situation where it even seems like we are. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so ideally we're also finding community in, in our real lives as well. Um, and, and perhaps, uh, finding community and being like genuinely raw and honest and vulnerable with people that we don't know. It sounds bizarre, but it can get us into that habit and sort of flex that muscle so that we can then take that out into the relationships that we have in the real world too. I've been working on that personally and I scare a lot of grocery store checkers when they ask me how I am. <laughs> But that's just how I roll now. I'm totally out there. And sometimes they're really like, thank you for being so honest. Thanks for listening for a minute. And they're like really kind of like delighted about it. They're there too. Other times they're terrified and confused. And that's Changing the world. One grocery store checker at a time. <laughs> Well, Love thanks it. so much, Jen. We will. Um, anything else you want to mention before we sign off here, and then we will do the link in bio and all of that mm -hmm. for our folks. Yeah, here. yeah. Enrollment's open right now, and we get started as a group on Monday, October seventeenth. Um, because as we've been talking about, that this does not work to sign up and go at your own pace. Right? It has to be something that we all do together as a group, and so we get started with that on October seventeenth. So we can't wait. That sounds awesome. Awesome. Thank you thanks so much, much for having me. It was great to see you both. Thanks for coming. Take care. Bye. Bye. That was fun. That was fun. So we always say like we, should, we were going to log on and, and remind everyone we're talking about triggers, we're talking about trauma, we're talking about screaming at kids, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be fun. It's always fun. Yeah. fun with Jen. How are you all feeling about it? What's, mm -hmm. what's uh, top of mind for you all right now? We started this talk complaining, griping, Mm -hmm. discussing identifying like god these moments that our kids do and then we're ending this conversation with being like but we're healing in community mm -hmm. we have this opportunity we're just human okay right. like yeah. this is not something that our kids are doing that's mm -hmm. wrong this isn't something that we're doing that's mm -hmm. wrong we're all on this journey together growing up alongside one another right mm -hmm. yeah this is the work right here right, right now work. this is the fun stuff mm -hmm. this is the hard stuff this, these are the things we can do in community, even in a, in a culture that says that we're all alone in our little islands mm -hmm. and that we should be doing everything perfectly and that there's something wrong with us if we struggle. Even thinking about taking the Taming Your Triggers workshop, so we'll have a link in bio. Uh, it's there right now, I and think, in the show notes, And in the show notes of this episode on the podcast, I mean, there's that feeling of like, oh, it's going to be a workshop, so I'm going to be put on the spot. I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going sure. to I'm going to be embarrassed and shame filled. I'm going to have to ace this, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to get an A plus. Like those are the types of things, at least for me, that go mm -hmm. through my mind when I think about taking a workshop that I'm going to be exposed, that I'm going to be shamed, and that I'm going to be pushed hard, pushed hard and with mm -hmm. high expectations and all of that stuff I'm putting on myself based on my conditioning. So I guess I just want to acknowledge that maybe some of you listening or watching might be having those feelings with it. Mm -hmm. And that that's not what this workshop is about. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really inclusive, relaxed, open-ended, self-directed, community-based experience mm -hmm. that is intended to support, not to shame, that's intended to empower, that's intended to um, really focus on, on the why we have those triggers and those, mm -hmm. those problems and those mm -hmm. challenges. And then also on 
the what and the how. So what are we going to do about it together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. I'm running out of steam. Everyone. We hope you will join us. We'll be there <laughs> again. If you have any questions, let us know. Reach out with any DMs, mm-hmm. um, or you can always email us through our website yeah. at upbringing.co. Like Cam said, the link in bio and the show notes link. Go to a page that has a lot of great information and probably answers a lot of your questions too. Mm-hmm. So thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for sharing what drives you crazy and makes you scream and struggle. <gasps> and hopefully some of the tips that Jen mentioned can feel helpful to you. I always mm-hmm. feel so much better after talking to her mm-hmm. and in thinking about that pause and thinking about mm-hmm. the mindfulness throughout the day of like, what, how am I actually doing the check-ins mm-hmm. about our bodies before they take us hostage, before they mm-hmm. surprise us? right before we allow ourselves to be be kind of dragged through a day or a moment with our children it's really helpful to think that way and i I really like applying all of this taming your triggers work that we do for in our parenting with our kids also to my marriage and my relationship with my partner and thinking what are those things and those patterns that come up where i just get really angry and freak out on him because it still happens sometimes and how can i be creating a pause with that too so something to uh, to be thinking on is how can you apply these ideas in other areas of your life too. Thanks everyone. Great to see you. See you later in the week. Bye.